Well, I am happy to welcome you on this day to a very special day at Christ Journey Church, wherever you're making your connection with us here in South Florida at Kendall Campus or Gables Campus or across the nation, around the world through Church Online. If you're joining us from another nation, you need to know this. Today in the United States, it is Mother's Day. And so if you happen to be fortunate enough, wherever you are in your Uh, joining us today and your mother is with you, would you just reach out and give her a squeeze, just a hug right now? And mother, if you're watching us online, then here's a hug from me. So happy Mother's Day. Um, Mother's Day is a perfect occasion for me to pay tribute to some of the mothers in my life. Obviously, LaVita is my birth mother. And um, I'm telling you, she literally walked through the valley of the shadow of death so that I could get to be here today. When at my birth, uh, the doctor, there were complications and the doctor came to my dad and said, I don't think we can save both mother and child. Which do you choose? And um, so my dad called his mother (laughs) and she called the prayer chain at their church. And guess what? Both of us made it. So I'm thankful today for a praying grandma of praying church and celebration of Mother's Day like this. Then there's Lisa, the mother of our children. I am in awe of this woman. She is such a person of faith and passion and love and kindness. And um, she's so tender. She's so fun. She's so real. I just uh, so thankful for the gift that she is. And she today is with our daughters in California. So happy Mother's Day, honey. And, um, you know, because of, amen, uh, because of Lisa, her mother, Becky, is in my life. And I'm thankful to say she's not just a mother-in-law, she's a mother-in-love. That doesn't always happen, does it? But it did for me, so I'm thankful today for that. Um, And then... You know, there's this other mother in my life who happens to be the mother of my brilliant grandson. Um, West is his name, but Corey is hers. And our great announcement this Mother's Day is she's expecting again. So, you know, happy Mother's Day, Corey. West's going to have a little brother, it turns out. So we're very happy for that. And um, then, you know what? I have significant spiritual mothers in my life, two single adult ladies that God brought into my life at different times. Uh, Lila Wilson is one of them and Bertha Smith another, both of them former missionaries, one to China, the other to Philippines. And yet God brought them into my life as spiritual mothers at precisely the right time to make such a difference. And they're with him today, but uh, along with several of my, my biological family as well. But I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thinking that you probably have women in your life that you're thankful for and that we can say, thank you, God, who, who before we even knew there was orange, were living it. That they brought the red heartbeat of love of home and family, and they brought the light of God's truth like sunshine and brought red and yellow together and bam, orange, which is what we say at Christ's journey. We think orange. And we thank God for the women in our lives who because of that orange bring benefit to all of our lives and to our church family life as well. Jesus said this, everyone who's left houses or listen to this, or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake and the gospel will receive 100 times as much, bam, And you know what he's talking about? Church family. 
Because sometimes our families don't go the way we thought they would, and God says, but I got a family for you, and I want you in on it. Oh, yeah, and eternal life together forever. Now, what we know is that not all our family memories are happy ones. And maybe you've revisited some of those in your mind when a day like this rolls around. But God has a way of meeting us in the pain with new possibility, and God's family is here for all of his children. That's why the psalmist wrote this, when father and mother forsake me, God will take me up. And we're part of that taking today. So, now this may be a new thought for you, but scripture tells us this, did you know this? Father God is the mother load of all motherhood. Did you know that? Father God is the mother load of motherhood. Mothers are God's idea and flow from God's heart. From the earliest chapters in Genesis to the stone carved 10 commandments, honor mother is God's idea. But here's another new one. The prophets, prophet Isaiah in particular, claims that God loves you just like a mother does. Isaiah 66, 13, as a mother comforts her child, God says, so I will comfort you. Do you need some comfort today? God can bring it tenderly like a mother. Isaiah 49, 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And we've seen tragic headlines that, oh yeah, that can happen. But look at this, though she may forget, I will not forget you, God says. Next verse, see, I have you engraved on the palms of my hand. It's like God's got a tattoo on his, of you on his palm, and he's saying, every time I open it up, there you are. So I don't know what you're thinking about him today, but I can tell you he's thinking about you. It was true for um, in ancient Israel, and it's true in Christ's new Israel as well, through the new covenant called the church. God's family is here, so his love can share with you. And God doesn't just love you as a mother. He loves you more than a mother does. This is what scripture says. And are you ready for this? It says that he loves you as a bridegroom. Now, guys, if that feels a little weird, I want you to think of the metaphor this way. God is trying to help us understand that what we see in the temporary natural, he will fulfill in the eternal supernatural. Now, in the natural, ladies, God designs that you be loved as a bride before you become a mother. That's God's ideal. And yet, once loved as a bride, you're always loved as a bride, even though you are a mother. That's God's ideal. You don't stop being a bride. That's his ideal plan. Moses, Jesus, Paul all agree on this. That's why each of them say this. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. That means launch like an arrow from a bow, you know, from the quiver and the bow, he's being launched and then united to his wife and they become one flesh. That's the creation of a new bow, a new quiver, a new family. And then new arrows will be given birth from that experience. But there is a prior love to mother love. There's a prior love from which motherhood is born. That's what I'm wanting us to see. And it's the love shared between a woman and a man as a bride and a groom in a covenant called marriage. Now, recently, world attention has been turned 
to a royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, his American princess, right? And their media, everybody's telling us, oh, this is a big deal, royal wedding. Did you know scripture also speaks of a royal wedding, a divine togetherness that is coming that will happen between Christ and his bride, the church. And so Paul says, this is a profound mystery. That means we don't think about this usually, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. And so in his discussion on marriage, he concludes by saying this, there's more to marriage than meets the eye. There is a profound mystery that we're invited to wrap our imaginations around and fuel our hearts from. And so more about that in a moment. But our series is Arrows, and today's message is Bow, energizing the energy of togetherness. So how the opposite ends of a bow when joined, connected by that string that energizes, that, 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 they, uh, that fuels their connection, then it energizes their family life. And that, from that connectedness, then in a growing relationship between husband and wife, little arrows can be launched into the positivity of a future because of a bride and groom. Now, somebody said, the single greatest thing a dad can do for his children is love their mother. I don't know if you agree with that, but if you do that, if that applies to you, then here's what you'll get. Your kids will get to see what love looks like in the laboratory of your own home life. They'll get to see it modeled, which means that your sons will learn by experience how they're to treat a woman when they get older. It means that your daughters will learn how a man should treat a woman. What's the appropriate way for a man to talk to her, to touch her, to treat her, that they're getting to witness in seeing how a husband and a wife relate? And then loving the child's mother is intended to energize her to feel secure so that then she applies the best love she can for the family at home. This is God's ideal, and that's the challenge. Ephesians 5.25 says, husbands, here's your challenge. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Oh, man. You know, it made me think of this wife who was saying to her husband, and I don't know if it was a slip of the tongue or what, but said, you know, you, you say you would die for me, but you never do. <laughs> See, the reason I'm telling you that is because I know in the real world, our love falls short. You know, our marriages, our families don't reflect God's ideal. That's what we're talking about. Okay, here's God's ideal, but now I live in the real world. Listen, just because you don't live in the ideal experience doesn't mean we shouldn't understand the plan. Frederick Beekner writes this, no matter how much the world shatters us to pieces, we carry inside us a vision of wholeness that we sense is our true home, and it beckons to us. There's an inner longing that says it's good. Simply because a fallen world doesn't realize God's ideal doesn't mean that we forfeit the ideal. doesn't mean we forget the plan. God has plans to give you a future and a hope. And God's plan of redemption can meet you right there in your real life and then prepare you for something more. Just because we live in the real doesn't mean we surrender the ideal, and especially when God's word tells us that marriage and family life in this life are actually foretastes. Now, you may not have ever thought of this before, 
foretastes of and invitations to a greater kind of togetherness in the next life. Now, I, as, like I said, you may never have thought about this and I don't mean to be, but I want to invite you there because I guarantee you God has thought about this. God has thought about this because he loves you and he wants you to share forever togetherness with him. In fact, if there's one takeaway from this whole talk, it's this, God loves you. God wants you to be his together forever. And yes, in heaven someday, but the way that we experience it in the everyday happens in three words and they all involve this marriage and family situation, this relationship of the bow. Respect women, honor mothers and treasure brides. Three words, respect, honor, treasure Respect women, honor mothers, treasure brides. Now, I just want to get real practical, like rubber to the road. God designs for women to be respected in this life. And part of the reason is because we're all connected in this life. At least that's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians eleven eleven. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as a woman came from a man, so also man is born of woman. And then he says, but everything comes from God. So what he's saying is we're interdependent. None of us are here without a woman. That's part of what we celebrate on Mother's Day, amen? Yes, we're connected together, we are interconnected. And then women are to be respected because of that interconnectedness of the flow of life. Next, mothers are to be honored. Ephesians 6, 2, honor your father and your mother. Now to honor means to esteem. It means to value, to hold precious, to revere as you would a prized possession. So we are to treat our mothers as special because they are. And then immediately it applies to treasuring our brides. Brides are precious. They are to be treasured and cherished and nourished. And he says, as Christ loves the church. The whole relational metaphor is about the way we relate to one another in the closest, most intimate relationships. Now, I'm a Winstall Churchill fan, and I read of one time when he attended a formal banquet in London where dignitaries present were all asked this question. If you could not be who you are, who would you most like to be? And everyone was curious as to what Churchill, who was seated next to his beloved Clemmy, would say. And so um, when it was finally his turn, he was last to respond, and he stood and said this. If I could not be who I am, I would most like to be, and then he paused and took his wife's hand and said, Lady Churchill's second husband. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, oh, nice one, man. That's a good answer, good answer. It's not quite the same as the guy who was asked, you know, he was celebrating his 50th wedding anniversary, and they said, you know, what's the secret to staying married 50 years? He said, don't die. <laughs> it's like... Okay, that comes first, right? Don't die, but what comes next? Love daily. Love daily. What does love look like? In three words, here it is. Respect, honor, and treasure. Respect, honor, and treasure. Respect women, honor mothers, treasure brides. 73 years married, President George H.W. Bush and his wife Barbara, the reporter said they had a crush on each other to the very end. Love 
daily. And then third, cultivate your marriage like a garden. You know, if you want your garden to grow, you've got to seed it, you've got to weed it, you've got to water it, you've got to protect it from the bugs. Um, at, and then you can harvest it and enjoy its fruit together. Now at the White House where I live, we have a tomato plant in our garden, cherry tomato plant. And um, I mean, here's a photo of it and some of the harvest. I mean, these little bursts of yummy flavor, it's all organic, there's no chemicals. I mean, we have scores of little tomatoes on that thing. And we get home and Lisa and I celebrate every new little ripe tomato, you know, just pull them off and like, this is so great. And uh, yet it wasn't so big as we, when we first got it. When, now it sprawls to like an eight foot area in our garden. Um, but when we first got it, it was just little. And then Lisa got the, the rod, you know, that's going to support it as it grows. And then she got the exact right potting soil to do this. She grew up on a farm, so she knows how to do that kind of stuff. And me, you know, I help water it and watch for bugs and snails. And Lisa waters it too. But when she waters it, sometimes she talks to the plants. You know, I can walk out there and she's just talking these... I don't do that. I don't talk to the plants. But she talks to them. And then we both harvest it and we both enjoy its fruit. We cultivate and enjoy it to help your marriage grow. There's a lesson there. You gotta seed it, you gotta water it, you gotta weed it, you gotta watch for the bugs, and you do it every day. That's what we do, you treasure it. What is the secret to a great marriage? Here's one of them. I don't know all of them, but here's one of them. Get married every day. See, then every day is the first day of your new marriage. And, and a new marriage, hey, hey, I really want this to work. I want to be there for you. I want you to know of my love. Yeah, cultivate your marriage. Get married every day. Or especially, guys, here's what Paul says. Treasure your bride. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for. And I know what we're all thinking. You know, we're so different. In some ways, we're just polar opposite. Right, And that's not just because God has a sense of humor. It's because God has a plan. Those opposites are meant to be like the opposing ends of a bow. And when they are connected by the covenant of communication in marriage, guess what happens? It energizes. That, that connection, though tense at times, can actually be the relational energy that can bring positivity into the launch of the children that are in that quiver. God's design is that we are different, that we might benefit from the differences. Now, here's another thought. Boy, I've just got so many today, don't I? Um, the Bible never says get, get married and settle down. Did you know that? There's no chapter and verse that says get married and settle down. People say that. Why don't you get married and settle down? You know what? My take on what the scripture says about marriage is, it's like saying, hey, get married and saddle up <laughs> because the adventure of togetherness is coming. This isn't settling for anything. This is like, hey, I'm going to rise to the high adventure that pushes us, pushes us into something more than simply what meets the eye. When Jesus was asked about marriage, I mean, it pulls you out of yourself, doesn't it? Yeah, God's got bigger plans for you than you. Marriage is designed to help pull you out of yourself. When Jesus was asked about marriage in, in heaven, he said this, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. That kind of sounds disappointing, doesn't it? 
They'll be like the angels in heaven. Well, like the angels, my take on it doesn't mean you're floating around with harps. Jesus is specifically speaking to relational spiritual life. And what he's trying to say is, I think, our experience of relational togetherness is going to be categorically different there than what we have in an earthly marriage. But marriage is pointing us that direction. It's like, here's part of how I understand it. As precious, I hope I don't disappoint anybody in this, as precious as marriage is, as precious as motherhood is, as precious as childbearing is in this mortal life, they are all temporary opportunities. They're all temporary. Marriage is a temporary covenant that we make, and we even say it in the words, till death do us part. Like, we know this thing is only gonna go as long as we're both here. a temporary covenant that we keep with each other in this life that is meant to illustrate, here's what the Bible says, an eternal reality. What's the reality? Here it is. God wants you to be his and be together forever. His like what? Like a mother wants a child to be with her. Like a groom wants his bride to be with her. He's tagging up with the emotional passion of this and says Ephesians 5.30, because we are members of his body. Don't you know how close and connected you are? And then he says, it's a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and his church. This is bride and groom. In other words, there's more to marriage than meets the eye. I have a little coin collection, not much to speak of, but I have learned that coins oftentimes have something more than what meets the eye, like the the US silver dollar, the peace silver dollar, minted between 1921 and 28. On the surface, it just looks like an old coin, right? I mean, what's it worth? A dollar, a dollar, unless it's that 1925 issue that sold for $89,000, or the 1934D issue that sold for over $84,000. Okay, I know what it says on the dollar. It says $1. But you know what? If you know what you're looking for, you know that there's more than face value to certain things in this life. Marriage is one of those. What is marriage worth to God? Well, when it comes to having you as the bride of Christ, and being together with him forever, he says, it's worth my life. It's worth my cross. That's what this is all pointing to, he's saying. And and if you think, God wants me to be with him that much? That's like a mind blower. Well, wait, hold on. You ready for this? Listen to what the revelation says. Jesus says to him that overcomes, that's talking about this life, being faithful here, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. We're talking about sharing the throne of God with God. You ever thought about that? (laughs) Jesus has. That's him talking. Paul writes about it in Romans 8. He says, we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ so that we may share his glory. And then once again in Revelation 19, verse 7, we're getting close to the end of the book now. This is how it's all supposed to turn out. He says, the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Ready for what? Togetherness with God. 
as king and queen, as bride and groom, sharing God's throne throughout eternity, reigning and ruling. This is like a mystery, isn't it? Yeah, that's what Paul said. There's a great mystery here waiting for those with eyes to see and ears to hear. And I told you this was going to be stratospheric. Marriages begin in this atmosphere on the ground level, but God's intention was always to say, you're just here for a little while. I want you to be with me forever. God wants to be known by you. God wants to rule with you forever. And in Revelation 21, I mean, we're almost to the very end of the book. What does the angel say? Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And so begins the believer's eternal destiny. Now, let's come back to the planet and let's, uh, let me tell you a story from a doctor in our church. His parents were young when he and his brother were born, so they all kind of grew up together and he always thought, well, that's how it's gonna be for me too. But it wasn't to be. And these are his words, so I'm gonna quote him as I share the story with you. He said, following um, undergrad and grad school and residency, I start... I began a pediatric practice and I was 30 at the time and time passed and before I knew it, years became decades and still no wife. I'd prayed year after year. My parents had scabs on their knees for praying uh, so long, but still no wife. And then out of the blue, paths crossed with someone that I'd known before in college. She was also a physician. To my eyes, it was like perfect in every way. And uh, there was a whirlwind, summer romance ensued, then pre-engagement parties, we had family gatherings, we even did financial planning. I was all in, he says. I now understood why I'd been made to wait so many years. I had prayed constantly and continuously and I was so excited about it. And then just as suddenly that fall, she called it off, said it was over. I was crushed. Not that you could tell, his outward face. But he said, when I was home alone, I was deeply saddened. How could it happen this way? I mean, after waiting so long, so many years, after all, I had involved God every step of the way. And now I was confused and upset. Was Jesus alive and real or nothing more than a Sunday school story? Painfully, he writes, I accepted there was another plan and I clung to Jesus. Two years later, I mean, I could sense God's hand moving me, helping me, healing me. Over time, new desires started to grow in me uh, for his word, for prayer, for fellowship at church. I was blessed at work. I had new friendships, still no wife. And then I became involved with the deacons at Christ's Journey, and it was a blessed and fulfilling time. And as was our practice, we would pray together at the close of each meeting for each other's needs. And at, during our last meeting in May, as we were having that prayer time, my pastor unexpectedly, as I had not shared with many my past experiences, I remember doing this, um, 
He said he laid his hand on my shoulder and began to pray for a Christian wife for me. It was a moving moment, but what would come of it? <laughs> he says, you know, the next week I left work tired from a busy day at work and I just let out one of those frustration, desperation prayers. Father, you know, I just can't go out anymore. You're going to have to bring her to me. <laughs> and then he says, as I mentioned briefly, I had moved. I now lived in a gated private community. And true to life, as a single guy, nobody came by except the chicken kitchen delivery or <laughs> UPS. And keeping the hours of a typical pediatrician, I was friendly enough, but I didn't have a lot of neighborly drop-ins. And then that Friday night, just two weeks after that prayer, there came a knock at the door. I was on the couch watching ESPN with a half-eaten pizza in front of me, to be honest. I felt uh, tired. I was a bit annoyed to be disturbed at that time, and I almost didn't get up. But I went to the door, and there was a beautiful blonde, a young woman. I opened the door. She introduced herself and asked if I might be able to help her. She explained that she was a real estate agent, and while showing some property earlier that evening, she was, along with a, a family friend, she was either bitten or stung by some kind of insect, and now her ankle had swollen, and she was worried and not sure what to do. And so she, along with her dear family friend, drove to their little gated community where both her friend and uh, the woman's parents happened to live. He said, I'd never met either of them before. But as it happened, her parents were out of town. And it was then that her friend said, well, before you go to the ER, why don't, uh, I think there's a doctor that lives in that little house down there on the corner. Why don't you see if he can help? And our doctor says, to this day, I can't remember exactly what medical advice I gave. <laughs> but I sure watched closely as she walked away. And he said, you know, what just happened? I mean, I'd, I'd never met nor seen her before, but I knew I had to meet her again. So thinking back, he says, I probably should have asked for more divine intervention, but um, I did the next best thing. I called mom. I sent out an APB and by God's grace, it worked. We met again soon. We're engaged in six months and married in a year. And that is how I came to meet my wife, Katie Brumbaugh Newcomb. Rather, that is how our doctor says, Jesus miraculously answered my prayers and those of my pastor and many others before for years in his perfect way, in his perfect time. He orchestrated a series of events, including bringing Katie's parents to my little community a year before, the, sw the stinging insect, the swollen ankle, the dear friend who suggested she knock on my door, all of those in a gated community. Over 20 years of prayers answered in just the right way at just the right time with no plausible explanation so that God gets the glory, the perfect answer. And now Katie Newcomb is a mom with a beautiful, happy family. So I want to say happy Mother's Day to Phil and Katie and then ask you, what can we take away from this today? What are we to take away? Well, from that story, I can tell you this. Maybe your takeaway is hang in there persevere. Hold on. Even if the plan doesn't materialize the way you thought it would, hang in there. Meanwhile, here's one for some of us, respect women, honor mothers, and treasure brides in a way that next, if you're in a marriage, cultivate your marriage. 
I mean, get married every day and energy, love daily and energize that bow to help launch children with the positivity that can result from that tension. Now, if you're thinking, Pastor, you know I've never been married, or you know what, I'm working on a marriage now that needs attention, or maybe you're thinking, well, I was in a marriage, but for whatever reason, I'm not anymore. Okay, what are we to learn from the marriages of this life? I think Jesus would, might say this, God wants you to be his. Together, forever, all of this is temporary. When you get to the bottom line, we're all only here for a little while. It's all temporary. Marriage and family here is temporary. God is our forever. And he loves you with a forever together kind of love. Whether he ever gifts you with marriage on earth the way you desire, whether he gives you children the way you think, God still wants you to be his. And he's the only place where we can be together forever. And there is a better forever coming. He says he's going to make it happen for people who trust his love through Jesus Christ as their groom. Where everyone trusting Christ one day, guess what, is going to get to have a fulfilling, successful marriage with God. Now that's a royal wedding to look forward to. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you spared no expense to make a forever together possible. Thank you for the mothers who bring your love with theirs into our lives. Thank you that you love us as a mother and more, that you give us life today. Thank you that you love us as your precious bride, that you give us your love today. Call us home to your heart and to wholeness. Our head's still bowed, but friend, if you're on the front end of your spiritual journey and you'd like to know what a relationship with God feels like, looks like, you'd like to start your own, then here's a prayer you can pray right now. Lord Jesus, I believe you love me, that you gave yourself for me on the cross. So I ask you to forgive me, come alive in me, and lead me to live my life here together with you until forever comes. I'm turning from my way to your way and receiving the forgiveness of sins. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, our heads bowed just for a moment longer, but would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith. I'm gonna ask you simply to raise your hand and keep it up for a little while. If you're joining us online, then you can just click on that orange banner and we're praying with you and for you right now. Thank you, thank you. Here in the center toward the back, right here on the aisle toward the middle, God bless you. To my right, I'm seeing a few hands toward my right, toward the wall, God bless you. Lord, for every person who by uplifted hand is saying, my heart is open, and I just prayed to welcome you. We pray that you, by your spirit, would assure them that you are now abiding in them and that you would draw them close and closer and closer as we make our prayer in your name, amen.